Welcome back to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan. We have a great program for you today about zero waste with Andrew Dobbs, who is with the Texas Campaign for the Environment, or TCE, in Austin, Texas. When I spoke with Dobbs, we talked about trash and about the very unsustainable problem of landfills. Dobbs says that most of us live in a world where we toss things in the trash and our trash pickup company comes and takes it away. And we think that's the end of it. But here's the problem. There is no away. Away just means it's no longer in my trash bin at my house, but it's still out there. Now it's in a landfill somewhere, somewhere that's not in your or my neighborhood, right? This basic fact is what makes the mission of Dobbs and the Texas Campaign for the Environment so important. We all need to understand that with trash, there is no away. Virtually everything you and I have ever thrown in the trash still exists somewhere. I've been trying to reduce my trash by recycling more and by buying items with less packaging. I compost organic waste, and yet, at the end of the week, I still end up with a medium trash bag that is full. Not good enough. The reason it's not good enough is that landfills are unsustainable. They are full of items that will remain there for hundreds of years, and a lot of it is toxic, such as light bulbs with mercury electronics with different heavy metals, clothing treated with flame retardants, plastics, harsh household cleaners, herbicides, pesticides, drugs, and more. This toxic, poisonous stuff leaks into our groundwater. Groundwater contamination from landfills is a very real and scary problem all over the U.S. Another problem is organic waste, such as vegetable peelings, wasted food, or garden clippings that go into the trash. In the landfill, this decomposes anaerobically, meaning without oxygen. With anaerobic decomposition, a toxic gas called methane is released. Methane gets into the atmosphere from several sources, the production of natural gas, from the raising of cows, sheep, and other livestock, and from landfills, which is also one of the biggest sources of methane gas. And methane is far more damaging than carbon dioxide, which is the gas emitted through the burning of fossil fuels. If you're still not convinced, here are some interesting statistics. It's estimated that the average person generates three to four pounds of trash every day. Think about that. So if you have four people in your family, that's 12 to 16 pounds of trash per day. Count the number of trash bags you send to the landfill each month, Multiply by the number of families in your neighborhood and, well, you get the idea. In our last program, I talked with Andrew Dobbs at TCE about corporate responsibility, specifically with packaging materials. You've probably done this. You buy something and find that the packaging is greater in volume than the item itself. And, of course, that packaging is going to end up in the trash. Why can't companies package items in a more sustainable way? Let's get back to our conversation. That's a really valuable question. Um, what I can tell you is that there's several different pieces to this. And the big picture is to, the big simple answer is to get the incentives right, right? Because right now they're externalizing all that cost of packaging. 
who provides our trash service? The government, right? Or or we pay for it, you know, if we're living out in the county or something, we're paying for it, you know, through private contracts, right? We pay for that through our tax dollars or through our through our rates that we pay, right? Um, and so the business knows they can generate as much trash as they want because somebody else is paying for it. We have to internalize that expense. We have to make it so that they see that cost and they say, wait a second, and it's on their bottom line, right? That's just business, right? You make it so that so that it's in their best interests to not generate that. Now, how do we do that? There are several different kind of mechanisms. One is what they're doing in Europe to a great extent, which is they have created a tax. They, there's a landfill tax. If you um, are, if you generate stuff that's going to the landfill or to incinerators, you pay for it. Um, and so as a result, these businesses have dramatically reduced their packaging. Uh, the next thing is to is the idea, and this is a really fundamental idea to the to this movement. And I alluded to it really briefly earlier. Is the idea of extended producer responsibility? It's the idea that the manufacturers of products are responsible for their end of life. So what we say is, you know, you have, and there's, and there's a lot of people who've started talking about uh, EPR, extended producer responsibility, EPR for packaging. Um, so, and there's, it's, that's a hot issue of debate. And there's, even within the zero waste community, there's no real consensus on this and there's no real necessarily agreement on how we would do it. Um, but the basic idea would probably be that the big packaging companies would pay local recycling systems and local uh, waste, waste departments for the cost of recycling their materials. The point being that after a while, very quickly, they're seeing it on their bottom line. Hey, you know what? We're generating all this bad packaging. We should simplify this and we can save on the bottom line. Um, and the ultimate way that we're going to do this is through citizens demanding change. Um, in the meantime, we can just demand that these people do this like uh, on their own. Um, and that's a lot of what we do is, is organizing citizens to demand change from, from, pol- from businesses, right? Um, and I think that the, it's hard, it's not as effective as them seeing it on the budget sheet, well, we've got to get rid of this. But they know that their brand has value. And if people are making demands and are attacking their brand, they will change. That's what we have found as our organization. That's what I think that we have to do. I want to go back to recycling, and uh, that's something uh, I do at home. So I put my cardboard and soda cans and uh, glasses and or glass bottles into the recycle bin, and we have what they call single stream right. recycling. Um, and I'm wondering, uh, I often wonder, what's actually happening to that? How much of that is actually being recycled, and is some of that going into the landfill? Do you have any knowledge? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it is. It is. Uh, I think it's incumbent upon everybody to to know a little bit about where everything's going, right? That's the whole point. Is that we have developed a culture that says, "Oh, just throw it away and stop thinking about it." But with recycling, it really helps if you know where it's going because it can help you decide: should I throw? Which can does this belong in? You know, in a single stream recycling system, it's going to what we call. Uh, a MRF, uh, which is MRF, which stands for Materials Recovery Facility. 
Um, and these are big industrial facilities. And if you get a chance to, to tour one, you should. There's great videos online also that show how they work. Um, and I would encourage people to, 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 if you get a chance, Google that um, and, or go on YouTube and see those. Um, but there's big sorting lines, and they use a lot of high-tech technology, including lasers and magnets and uh, you know weird airflows and everything else uh, to sort out things into their various commodities. Um, and that's what recycling is, is it's recovering these materials for their commodity value. Um, there's, you know, then there's people who need to buy steel and buy aluminum and buy cardboard and buy mixed paper and certain and newsprint and uh, uh, glass and everything else. Um, and so they market those to various, and then the people who own the MRF market those to various people. There's somebody whose job it is to do that. And what's really interesting is most of that is shipped um, out of this country at this point. It's shipped down to Mexico. It's shipped out to China. Um, it's shipped to other places. In the industrial, more industrialized parts of this country, where you have a lot of heavy industry in, say, the upper Midwest and whatnot, a lot of it's used just right there. Um, you know, they, and especially places where there's a lot of paper mills, um, they can do that here in Austin. We're hoping to bring more industry into towns so that they can capture this, but, uh, and that's, and so that's where it's going. It's going to make money. Um, the, to answer your question about whether any of it's going into the landfill, the answer is yes. Um, some of it is somewhere between probably about 10 and 20% of it ends up in landfills, but that's because it's stuff that shouldn't have gone into the recycling cart in the first place. Right, people have thrown trash in there, or it's uh, gotten contaminated by people who've thrown things that shouldn't be in there. Um, so they've thrown, you know, the, you know, you throw when you throw those plastic bags in that plastic film, it's it messes up the machinery. They have to cut that off, and if they can't recover it, then they're throwing that in the trash. If you're throwing something wet and messy, if you're throwing food waste into your recycling, that ends up gunking up all the paper and the cardboard, um, and that's one of their main sources of value, by the way. So that harms those facilities. It makes it harder to recycle. So some of it is going in there. And then finally, the last thing is that right now, uh, everybody's happy about paying less at the pump. Um, but low, low oil prices mean low all commodity prices. Um, and so there's a lot of recycling companies that are, that are really hurting right now. And some of them are stockpiling. Some, if they have the room to do it, they'll stockpile that stuff, knowing that markets will turn around eventually. Um, and when they do, they'll sell that, those materials then. I hear that each of us every day in the U.S. that we generate something like four pounds of garbage a day. What can we do as individuals so that we're not doing that? Sure. Uh, I would be interested in seeing those numbers just because I wonder if they're taking all of the trash that are generated by these big institutions and then dividing that up as, as if it were individuals that were creating all of it, right? Um, so the most important thing that we can do is change policies um, so that we change the incentives and, and change what's out there. So that's the most important thing to do is to, is to get active and to check out, you know, texasenvironment.org and see what we're up to, to connect in your local community on that. Um, the most, but in terms of what we can can do as individuals, it starts with thinking about things when you buy them, right? Um, and, sh and, and making sure that you're buying things that are, uh, that are not, that are recyclable or compostable and that aren't in bad packaging, that aren't in excessive packaging, right? You see the, the individual apples wrapped in plastic and it's just like, you know, what is the point of that? Things with lots of film, things with styrofoam, things, you know, or poly expanded polystyrene as it's known, which is a disastrous toxic product, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, minimizing those sorts 
sorts of things. Buying in bulk, buying you know locally, especially at your farmers markets, um, or directly from farmers if you get that opportunity. You know those sorts of things make a big difference. And then taking the time to just throw it in the recycling and the composting. You know what's what's there at the end. You know to do those things with it um, is really important. And then also reusing things. You know I get some containers that are obviously reusable. You know reuse is a higher and better use than recycling. It takes a lot less energy, a lot less water. So taking those opportunities, being strategic like that's important, but none of it's going to make that big of an impact unless we change the big picture. You're listening to Mothering Earth. This is Salwa Khan, and I'm here with Andrew Dobbs of the Texas Campaign for the Environment, and we're talking trash. Right now, it's time for a break. I'm Salwa Khan, and I'm here with Andrew Dobbs of the Texas Campaign for the Environment. I I understand that zero waste can also have uh, a good effect on the economy, and I think you've talked about that to some extent with the MRFs. MRFs, yeah. Are there other jobs that are generated by uh, recycling and doing other zero waste activities. Yeah, for every job that that is that discards create at the landfill, the same amount of discards recycled will create about ten jobs. So ten times more jobs. The recycling industry in this country is larger, is employs more people than the automobile industry does nowadays. It is one of it, it, recycled materials are the largest export international export from the from the state of California. This is one of our nation's largest industries, but we don't think of it that way because it's not, we, we've built it as like this green, you know, like, like kind of moralistic thing. It's big business and it's an opportunity for us to create a lot of value. You know, if you stop and think about it with trash, you pick it up, you put it in the landfill, you bury it and it's done. Right. And that's it. And it doesn't take a lot of skill or a lot of people to do that. With the recycling, you pick it up, you sort it, and, there, and there's there's a lot of human labor involved in that sorting. I mentioned all the high tech, but the big, the most important technology are people like going through that. You're then taking it and, and storing it. You're marketing it. Um, then when it's bought up by somebody else, they have to. They, there's intermediate processors. They're hiring people in an industrial setting to process it into like uh, you know flakes or chips or some other intermediate product, which is then sold to manufacturers who are then manufacturing it into final products, who are then shipping it back here. Who, sh- who there's all the distribution networks and then it's being sold and retailed and there's those retail networks and it's being consumed by somebody else. Um, and so there's a lot of economic activity throughout that process, um, that, you know, a lot more than just burying it. You know, the big difference is between a linear network, right, which is what trash is, which is, you know, you know, dig it up, make it into something, send it somewhere, consume it, bury it, to a circular network, which continues to close that loop so that we, that we continue generating value out of these materials. Um, so, yeah, there's a huge economic opportunity here. Another growing area of waste, which you touched on earlier, is uh, e-waste or electronic waste. Um, can First of all, can we define what e-waste is and talk about what the effect of that is yeah. on our... E-waste is really anything with a plug or a battery. Um, all your electronics, um, are when they're thrown out, uh, they have particular problems associated with them. Most of them, many of them, have toxic materials. 
um, they have mercury um, in the in the light bulbs um, that are in that are, that are behind your screen. They have flame retardants. Um, they have uh, in ca- ca- cathode ray tube televisions. They're full of lead, two to four pounds of lead in your average television screen, old school television screen. Um, you know, they have. Uh, they're also obviously full of a lot of valuable materials, rare earth minerals, uh, precious metals, um, plastics, glass, metal. Um, so there is there's there's a lot of value and a lot of risk associated with them. You throw that in the landfill, you're on the one hand wasting all that value, and on the other hand, you're exposing your environment to all those toxins. So what can we do to reduce the amount of e-waste? Because, of course, everybody always wants the newest phone and the newest computer, and what happens to the old stuff? most important thing is to recycle that stuff with responsible recyclers because they want to get that value out of there, right? The other is, you know, uh, and this is, and I think, you know, you, you probably want to know about what the companies can do also, um, the big thing here is, one of the big things is to get back to fixing things. You know, I know a lot of us, I'm, I'm, I'm relatively young, but there's, you know, I, I remember this, and a lot of people older than me definitely remember, when something would break, you'd fix it. Now, not only do we not, we've lost those skills, we've lost those habits, we just throw it, quote unquote, away, and then we buy something new. Not only is that a bad cultural thing and a bad, and have we lost those skills, unfortunately, a lot of these things are designed to not be fixed. There's a great group. Um, they're a nonprofit called iFixit. Uh, iFixit.com, I believe, is their website. Um, and they do they have uh, they have repair guides for all kinds of stuff, including stuff that they that you're not supposed to be able to repair. They also have tools available um, that you can buy from them, and just a lot of great information and resources available for fixing your uh, for your gadgets of all sorts. Um, you know, I think that that's really important. And I'll say this. Earlier this year, I dropped a laptop and smashed the screen. Most of my friends would have said, well, that laptop is done. I am not a technically savvy guy, but I went online and I found the screen that, that works for that laptop. I went and found a YouTube video that showed me how to replace it. And I took the the hour that it took me to replace it. Let me tell you something. I had such a sense of accomplishment afterwards. And I cherished that laptop even more because there's a little bit of my labor in it. You know, that sort of thing is we need to bring that culture back. Um, that's some, And that is something that's that's harder to do policy-wise. The policy is to allow us to be able to do that without losing our warranties and that sort of thing. But I think it's also something that every individual can do, fix things. I think part of the problem is the, the people that used to be able to fix things are gone or, or they're not – they don't have a business because people just throw stuff away. Right. And, I mean, like, and we've lost that – we've lost that culture to a lot of, for a lot of us. The cool thing is is that we, we, we've lost that and that's definitely a tragedy. We've gained YouTube, you know. Which I mean, if you can find some, if you can find something that you can't figure out how to learn on there, you are way out on the fringes of things. You know, you should. And, and like I said, with iFixit and groups like that, you know, you can find some really great resources for learning these things for yourself. And then, and then learning these skills for yourself is empowering. You know, we've been, this culture disempowers us. One that says we're going to take these resources responsibly, I mean, that can change your life. We were just talking about uh, electronics recycling, and I know that there are recycling events where you can take your old uh, electronics to be recycled properly, but I understand that in some cases um, those electronics are just being dumped overseas and not really recycled. So how do we know as citizens where to go? Is there a source of information? Yes. 
a responsible recycler will be certified under the e-stewards uh, uh, standard. Okay, there's an, there are there is another standard called responsible recycling or R2, which is okay, but it does not guarantee that there is no export going on. E-stewards is the only credible system that guarantees that they are not being uh, sent overseas or being or being dealt with with prison labor in this country, which is something that we've had to deal with in the past also. Um, so check for the e-steward standard. Now, the one, ex the one exception to that that I'll say is that Dell actually has higher standards than e-steward. For their for their own programs, so either work with Dell, um, and they are taking stuff from uh, uh, Goodwills in Texas. So if you take your stuff to Goodwill, Dell is getting it and it is being dealt with in a responsible fashion. Or make sure that it's E Stewards. If they just say R two, or if they don't have anything, that's not enough. Okay, well that's good to know about Goodwill. Um, okay. Oh, and so Best Buy's program does work with only E Stewards as well. Okay. So if you're taking so it to Best are, Buy, uh, which right. is another place that a lot of people are taking their stuff, you're okay there. Good to know. Okay, um, so what is the status of the zero waste campaign in the U.S.? Do you well, you know, I mean, there's, I mean, it's ebbs and flows, and it's different in different places. Here in the city of Austin, we're doing, you know, we've had some stalls on our recycling program, but we just authorized the very first steps towards a full-scale curbside composting program for every city and for every household that's served by the city. So that's really exciting. The city of San Antonio is also now rolling out curbside composting for all of their customers. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, you know, around the country, you know, it's it's tough to expand recycling right now because of those low commodity prices um but you know there is but there are a lot of folks that are taking up the the organic waste um there and there's the stuff with uh, extended produce responsibility that's going on you know globally there's a lot of really interesting things happening with those with those processes as well i will say this is that we do have to watch out for charlatans we have to watch out for for slick salespeople that use the rhetoric of zero waste to cover over really bad polluting wasteful technologies most commonly those associated with waste incineration. It is always 100% of the time wrong to burn waste. Okay. Um, and they use a lot of fancy terms and techno, techno babble like pyrolysis or catalytic cracking or waste to energy or waste or energy from waste and all of these kinds of uh, euphemisms to hide the fact that they're talking about burning trash. Not only is it expensive not only does it not work a lot of the time it's also incredibly destructive to the environment far worse than landfilling worse than coal-fired power plants you know one it is and there there are some economic there's one economic study that was done that uh, was in an economic journal a couple of years ago it was peer-reviewed um, that showed that they analyzed okay so pollution you know it has risks it also has benefits for the economy what is the worst bang for your pollution buck and waste incineration was far and away the worst thing that you can do for the environment economically and physically so um, anything anytime you hear people talking about that you know any any kind of you know oh we've got the solution to throw everything all in the same can and we're all going to be able to we're going to be able to recover 100% of everything you know, be skeptical. You know, if you need to check out texasenvironment.org, you can find my contact information there, contact information for us, and give us a heads up because we love nothing more than shutting these guys down, and we do pretty much 100% of the time because they're 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 full of it. In addition to changing our habits and doing what we can as individuals to get to zero waste, are there other things people can do 
to get involved in the campaign to get to zero waste? Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely check out TexasEnvironment.org um, and, uh, you know, and get in touch with us through that. Um, we're always happy to hear from folks. We send canvassers door to door. That's how we raise most of our money. That's how we generate our membership. That's how we generate uh, contact from the community to decision makers. If you get that knock at your door, I realize that sometimes you got the, the, the kids in the oven and the turkey in the tub and, you know, it's, it's a busy time and everything else. But taking that five minutes to, to engage with us really does make an impact. We're able to go and demonstrate at corporate uh, headquarters and at meetings. We're able to do all of these things and build a zero waste movement because people take that time to write those letters, write those checks and become our members. Right. So definitely, you know, uh, take that time. And then, like I said, engage in your community, you know, engage with your elected officials. Tell them that this is a priority for you um, because they're the ones. I mean, the cool thing is this is the huge opportunity presented by zero waste. You know, when you're looking at oil and gas and all these other things, all of those decisions are made at the federal level, maybe some at the state level. We have frankly taken away a lot of that power from the local level. But with waste and recycling, for whatever his, historic reasons, we've invested almost all of that decision-making with our local governments, with people that you can walk up to at the diner and at the grocery store and say, hey, mayor, you can't get away from me. You can't do that to the president. You can't do that to the governor. But you can do that with your local elected officials, and they're the ones that are making these decisions. If we as citizens engage, not just with, you know, who's running for president, but who's running for city council, who's running for school board, who's running for county commissioner, if you can engage with those people and let them know this is my priority, I want to see environmental protection, and I want us to get to zero waste, it can make a huge impact. And it makes my job easier. Um, and it makes the job of organizers easier when they know that their constituents are demanding this. So get active in your community and in the groups. And last thing I'll say, wherever you're already organized, if you're a part of a church, if you're a part of a civic group, if you're a part of a neighborhood association, wherever you're already active and organized, make this a priority for them also. It makes it so much easier for activists and organizers like me to come in and big, get big changes. As Dobbs says, get active in the community, talk to others, start small and work up. Every positive change you make benefits all of us. I'd love to hear from you, so please send any comments or suggestions for future shows to me at gardentoad at vcs.com. That's gardentoad, one word, at vcyes.com. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth.